today's episode of the Steve Freeman Podcast. We are going to talk about creative overwhelm as we wind up 2020, which has just been a complete shit show of a year. We're heading into a new year, 2021. How can you declutter your brain and your physical atmosphere to be more productive in the new year? That, plus a ton of questions from you guys on the Facebook group. Stay tuned for that and more on this episode of the Steve Freeman Podcast. You're listening to the Steve Freeman Podcast, the real raw truth about the pursuit of success in music, business, and life. Here's your host, hit songwriter, multi-platinum selling producer, and serial entrepreneur, Steve Freeman. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Steve Freeman Podcast. We are coming at you live from the remote studio here in beautiful Orange County, California. Uh, My week went a little bit different than I was planning. My original plan this week was supposed to be down in Dallas this weekend shooting uh, some footage for a documentary that my film company's working on. But we had to postpone and move that to January, so I did everything I had to do to change my flights and went ahead and came out to uh, California a few days early. And I'm glad I did. There's nothing wrong with winter. Look, I love Thanksgiving. I love Christmas. Christmas, by far, is my favorite holiday. I love the whole gift-giving thing. And, and don't get me wrong, I like the weather. But when I landed in San Diego, and I got off the plane, and it's you know December 5th, and it's 72, 73 degrees outside, and the sun's shining, and it's been shining every day since I got here. I don't know that when we make the full-time move that I'm necessarily going to miss the extreme cold and the wind and the, the, the sleet and even the snow. I don't know. Maybe I will, but we'll find out come next year. Anyway, guys, it is so good to have you here. Don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you would. Coming up uh, later in today's episode, uh, I'm actually going to be answering some questions that you guys asked on the Facebook group. If you're not currently a member of the podcast Facebook group, you should be. A lot of cool stuff going on over there. Plus, you get a chance to ask questions that I will answer on future and upcoming episodes of the podcast. So go check it out. Go to facebook.com forward slash the Steve Freeman. Link also in the description. And uh, you can join the Facebook group. It is a private Facebook group. Um, I wanted to do that just because... I don't know. There's just something about open groups. We've already had issues with a few people posting stuff, and I've, I've got moderators and admins on the group now that are limiting some of the just, quite frankly, shit that people post. So we can, we can already add one layer of protection on that if we make it a, a private group, which it is. But there's probably a 99% likelihood that you will be approved, and we'll give you enough rope to hang yourself. So go over there and, uh, and do that if you don't mind. What I really wanted to talk about on today's episode of the podcast is we've got, you know, just what, three weeks, two and a half weeks left in 2020. And, and it's not been a great year, uh, honestly. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm going to be real honest. I feel guilty when I've said this because this year has given me the opportunity to, you know, both with our, our clients, but also artist development. Uh, people in the music business, just hearing from a lot of you guys. Many of you have struggled this year, and I and I feel for each and every one of you. This has not been a bad year for me business-wise. It's actually been a very good year uh, for me business-wise. When you're in the content creation business, 
that's one good thing about businesses is they always need to be increasing their fan base, in, engaging their audience and creating content. So for my companies, we, we, I feel at times guilty in saying it, but we've done very well this year. And, and 2021 is, is already framing up to be an even bigger year. But for 99.9% of people that I talk to, this has not been a great year. I, I don't mind saying for anything that, you know, emotionally, this has not been a good year for me. And, and there's been a lot, I've, I've heard from a lot of people that have talked about that too. Financially, they may have done really well this year, but whether it's the pandemic or whatever's going on, you know, lost income, lost jobs because of the pandemic, especially in the music business, people not able to be out and playing live. I know that's affected a lot of people and given, you know, people a gloom outlook on the future of that business for sure. But for me, mentally, and a lot of times, a lot of times you'll see that you'll have, you know, you don't always, it's not always good. Things are not always, everything's great in your personal life. Everything's great in your business life. Very rarely do things actually coincide that way. Very rarely are, is everything going right at the same time. Matter of fact, I can't, I cannot look back on my life, personal life or my career business-wise and think, man, there are just several periods that I can look back on and shit was just going right. Very rarely. And then that's one of the confusing things about social media because we get on social media, we're forced to be on social media because that is where everyone lives. And, and if, if you're in any kind of business, you have to be in front of people. So we have to live on social media. Not being present there is, you, you might as well just sit around your house and not do anything and have absolutely zero expectations for the growth of yourself personally or your business. We can talk about how the fact we don't like that, but the fact of the matter is it's true and it's only going to get more so like that. But you know, this year is very interesting. I, I have dealt with it emotionally, probably not as good as I have in previous years. Not that the pandemic has affected my business at all, but it, it has affected me. It, it affects you mentally. And I would imagine that a lot of you guys are out there thinking the same thing too. Maybe your business has not been impacted, but you feel differently. You, you have an outlook on things differently. I know even just trying to plan this trip, uh, it, it was a nightmare. Um, I had scheduled the trip to go down to Dallas for the three and a half days we were going to be down there filming, and then I was going to fly from Dallas to LAX. When I come out to the house in California, I always fly into LAX. And I guess two days before I left, LA count or LA, the city of LA locked completely back down. And I got a thing from my airline saying that I needed to go on and that the city of LA and LAX were requiring you to go on and fill out this form. And they were going to tell you, you know, you had to tell them, why are you coming? How long are you going to be here? And then they recommend that you quarantine for 14 days once you get here. Well, I don't need to be here 14 days. I got to get back home to spend Christmas with my family. So I immediately changed everything around to instead of flying into Los Angeles, into LAX, I would fly into San Diego because those restrictions at the time, and they're still not as we sit here today on Monday. There's still not those, uh, you're not having to go on and fill out these forms, which I just, I don't agree with 
all of that at all. But this has affected all of us in one way or another. And it's caused us to live on our devices even more than we previously did. We all have our face in our phones almost all day long, some cases all night long. If we're not on our phone, we're on our laptop, or if we're not on our laptop, we're on our iPads or some other device. Whether we're working or we're checking in on social media, we're building our businesses, we're growing, we're trying to do those kind of things, we're constantly inundated with everything that's on these devices. And I wanted to talk a little bit about overwhelm because it hit me very strongly the other day as I was on the airplane. And I went to, and I've noticed that I've noticed this in the past. I've noticed it before, but I've not ever really thought about it in these terms. And as we close out 2020, I'm now in the mode of thinking and have been for about the last six, eight weeks of, okay, where am I? Where do I want to be? How can I take the steps from where I am right now to get where I want to be this time next year? What, what am I doing? What am I employing? What are my strategies and tactics? What are the outside interferences that I feel or the speed bumps that are keeping me from accomplishing exactly what it is that I'm trying to accomplish? Well, it hit me like a ton of bricks when I opened my phone and I got on the airplane connected to the Wi-Fi. Finally, that's a whole nother story we won't even get into. But I was finally able to connect to the Wi-Fi. I opened up my phone. And I realized that most of us, it's the first thing we do every day is we pick up our phone. We look at email, we check social media, we do all that, right? I started counting the number of apps that are on my phone. And I was blown away at just the the pure and simple number of apps that are on my phone. I can scroll through six screens that are completely full of apps. And within each one of those screens is a folder that's probably got another five or six or seven apps. Now, truth be told, I use probably like on a daily basis or even stretch it out a little bit, even say on a weekly basis, I maybe use 10 to 15 apps, maybe. So I got to thinking subconsciously, you know, a lot of things go on in your subconscious. and. But, but for whatever reason, it just hit me like a ton of bricks that when I really stop to think about it, I feel stressed out every time I open my phone. And I wasn't sure why until sitting on the plane, having nothing else to do, but think about it. I'm saying, no wonder I get stressed out when I open my phone every morning. And we're talking about the things that start our day. How are you starting your day? All of us start our day, most of us anyway. We're going to get some comments on this. People say, I don't open my phone for two hours after I wake up. I have my coffee. I pray. I Whatever. The majority of us pick up our fucking phone. That's the first thing we do. No wonder I feel, I feel overwhelmed and, and I don't feel like my day ever gets a really good start. Now, I'm going to talk about a couple of different reasons that could possibly be. But number one, when you pick up your phone and you see we've got notifications now, we've got all of this to just immediately consume us. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm going to put this in terms of my social 
qualities and how I am social. I am not a people person. I've said before on the podcast that it's odd that I actually make a living talking because I don't like to talk. Those of you that may know me well, you know I do not like to be on the phone. I hate to be on the phone. There's nothing more in the world I hate, maybe a couple of things, but I hate being on the phone. I hate talking on the phone. I hate Zoom conference. I hate it. I'm just antisocial, which is not really true. It's, I'm not, I, I love people most of the time, some of the time. I love some people. Actually, I don't love or like that many people at all. But I'm not mean. People have described me at times. I was having this conversation with somebody yesterday. People at times have described me as unapproachable. It's not that I don't want to talk to you. You just may perceive by my physical nature, like I don't, I'm not interested in conversation. Sometimes I'm not interested in conversation. I'm okay being by myself, I think is what it is. I don't have to be in a room full of people. I don't like being in a room full of people. So when I take those things and I really think about it, what is the difference between the first thing every day, opening up your phone and being inundated with the little red circle with a number in it from 17 different apps on your home screen. Does that, to me, I started, I immediately, the minute I started thinking about this on the plane, I started not having a panic attack, but having that kind of feeling because that's what it reminded me of. First thing in the morning, I'm getting up and walking into a room full of people. I don't know what they're going to say, what they're going to ask, what they want. I don't know any of that. I just, they just bum rush me all at one time. That is the same thing that happens to us when we get up every morning and we look at our phone. When I open and I I unlock my phone, I see my calendar has 13 notifications. Immediately, my mind goes, I don't remember what I'm supposed to do today. I'll have to look at that. Then my Facebook uh, app says that I've got 311 somethings, whatever they are, messages, comments, likes, whatever those may be. Uh, Then Messenger tells me I've got some. YouTube tells me I've got comments. I've got things on my bank that are telling me things are happening. Uh, Twitter, I've got all of these things. Not to mention, as we sit here right now, and and this is causing me a great deal of stress now that it's conscious and I'm actually thinking about it. As I'm sitting here recording this podcast, my mail on my phone says that I have 42,777 emails. 42,777 emails. I have 14 missed calls and 11 text messages. How is that not overwhelming? I don't even care if those numbers were a quarter what they were. This, guys, is how we are starting our day. We are starting our day overwhelmed. I'm going to let that sink in for just a second. I want you to think about this the exact same way that I was thinking about this on the plane. Do you, have you sat around and wondered, because I, and listen, I'm talking about me right now. And if you can relate to that, I'm hoping you can, because I'm going to take steps to change it. But how in the world could you not feel overwhelmed, stressed out, and like you're not going to be able to accomplish when you open your phone the first thing in the morning and you see all of this going on, There's no way in the world that even subconsciously your brain is going, there's no way you're going to be able to get to all of it. 
which in turn starts to create stress, which turns to depression. You start to feel like, well, it doesn't matter what I do today. It's not going to be good enough. There's no way I'm going to be able to respond to all these emails. There's no way that I'm going to be able to, to adequately, even when I click on the text message to see what they are, it's never just somebody, hey, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. It's always, we need something. We need something now. What about this? What about that? Which it, it just creates an atmosphere of stress. So there's no wonder why we feel overwhelmed during the day, during the week, during the month. There's no wonder why we feel that a lot of times our goals are unachievable and unattainable because we start every single day with picking up this load and putting it on our back that is impossible to carry when the only thing we did was look at our phone. Now, I'm also man enough to sit here and tell you that I don't know if I can not. And that's sad. That, that, that right there is a sign of addiction. I don't know that I cannot not look at my phone first thing in the morning. I don't know that I can. Same thing. Look, I, I, everybody gives me a hard time about this, but I have not quit smoking yet. The first thing I do every morning, I get out of the shower, I get dressed, I grab my phone, I grab my smokes, I go outside, I open my phone, I smoke a cigarette. Two very horrible habits. I smoke and look at my phone first thing. Both of them are killing me. If you don't smoke, it's your phone that's killing you. And it got me to thinking as I was flying through the air, I wonder how many years off of my life this stress is causing me. We place ourselves in situations because we want to move forward. We have things that we want to accomplish. We live in such an instantaneous society now that we are literally scared to not email somebody back quickly. We, we get worried if we don't text them back very quickly. When in all honesty, the world's going to continue on. And I think a lot of times, maybe this comes down to setting expectations. And I don't know how that I'm going to change this for me. I know I'm starting to make some little changes. I'm going to stop working at, at a certain time uh, in the new year. And to, starting January 1, 2021, I'm going to stop working. And well, I can't actually say that. I, there will be times I will work after 6 p.m. But I'm not going to take, well, I'll take them, but I'm not going to respond to work texts. I'm not going to respond to work emails. I'm not going to uh, take or accept work phone calls or return them. If I choose to work on something after six, it's on my time and I will choose to do it. As it relates to what we're talking about here, I went through on the plane and I deleted notifications on all of my social media. And every app that I have, it's no longer possible for me to open my phone and be bombarded with notifications that I feel like I have a responsibility and a duty to respond to. I'm going to try to get myself to a point where the first thing in the morning, I don't overwhelm myself. And it's everywhere that we look. 
especially on social media. We feel like we're not posting enough. We're not posting the right content. These other people, our competitors, are posting more often and better content, and we've got to catch up. I feel at times, and and again, this is for me, and and I hope if you can relate, that, that you're taking this to heart. It's like I feel like sometimes every morning we get up and we throw our goalpost so far out there that we give ourselves way too much to live up to in such a short amount of time. And when we do that, it doesn't give us any, none whatsoever, absolutely none, for flexibility and for life. Because as you guys know, as I know, Life happens every single day. I don't remember the last time something worked out exactly the way that I planned it. And I don't remember the last time a day went as scheduled and as planned. We've got to be moldable, malleable. We've got to be open to being flexible. And we know that. But for some reason, We try to fit everything into these guidelines and we let a lot of other people influence our daily activities. But who is it that we ultimately blame for everything? We blame ourselves. When you get to the end of the day and you didn't respond to all 42,777 of those emails, you feel like you're behind, like you didn't accomplish it. When you don't return those 14 phone calls or 37 text messages, or uh, reply or like that person's comment on YouTube because that plays into the algorithm. And the more likes you get, you see what I'm saying? It goes on and on and on and on. So I know for me, I can look back and for me, 2020 will be the year of overwhelm. And I can look out there and I can say, well, it's this client or it's this person. They're just, they're asking too much of me. But then I also have to wonder and put that blame back on myself and go, okay, well, who ultimately enables other people to do that? I can only, I'm the only one that can give them that space to occupy. If we don't give them that space, they can't occupy it. And when we set boundaries and we set rules, people may not like it. But this is about our well-being. This is about our mental health. One of the reasons that I like coming out to California, and I have for 12 years now, is, yeah, I do a lot of work out here. But I think clearly here. I have been trying to figure out some things with my own personal brand and direction and future. And... I don't know what it is, but when I'm in Nashville, I have a very hard time seeing clearly. I don't know if it's just almost like, well, I think it's this. This is kind of the scenario that I've kind of created in my head to explain it. Maybe it'll mean something to you. But let's say there's a a horrible storm. There's a tornado coming. Well, I, I feel like Nashville is me in the center of the tornado. It's it's all around me. I can't go north, east, west. South, I can't go anywhere because it's all around me. And for me, I feel like California is is being 
five miles away from the storm. I can see which direction it's moving. I can go the other way. I can think clearly. I can prepare. I'm not in the center of the storm. And I haven't been out here in, I guess, been about two months now. And I've been trying to figure out some really serious shit. And I haven't been able to do it. I have been overwhelmed. I've taken on way too much. I've put way too much on my plate. I've allowed other people to put way too much on my plate. I've allowed other people to get away with doing things that I normally wouldn't allow them to get away with doing, but I just didn't have the mental capacity or the mental space to deal with it because I'm in the center of the storm. And there have been some things I've been trying to, like I said, figure out, get straight, uh, lay down the law with some people. But I couldn't do it from the center of the storm. Within a day of being here and being outside the storm, some things just became very clear to me. Some things I couldn't figure out, I figured them out. Some ideas that I had that I didn't know how to bring them to fruition just almost magically came to me. So as you get ready to head into 2021, I always kind of say this at the end of every year. But take a look back. Don't blame COVID. Yes, it's been horrible, but that's not what I'm talking about. You, just like I can, identify several different things in your life, in your personal life, in your professional life that you do not want to repeat. You do not want to carry those things into 2021. Figure out what those things are, and then I encourage you to step away. Get outside the storm. Is there something you can do, somewhere you can go to get outside of the storm before the beginning of next year? Where you can make a list, you can actually physically sit down and make a list of the things that you want to accomplish, the things that you can't figure out, the things that just seem muddy. You can see the goal line, and it's, it's funny how our brains work. When I'm in the center of the storm, I can see the end. I can see the finish. I just can't see the path of how to get there. And I think this is something very important over the next two and a half, three weeks. Get yourself outside the storm. Get where you can see the storm coming. That way you can be, you can maneuver. If it moves, you move. If it moves right, you move left. But get yourself in a position where you can attack 2021 with a clear understanding and clear battle plan. But I think it only happens when you get outside the storm. Take yourself outside of the normal. And maybe some of you don't have the the wherewithal to, to, you know, do, (laughs) hop on an airplane and go to California. But as stupid as it sounds, um, Find your happy place. Where, where is your happy place? It sounds so weird saying that, but it's so damn true. Where's your happy place? Where can you go to get away from it all? And maybe it's just hopping in your car and driving around without the radio on. Leave your phone off. Just turn it off. Take it with you in case there's an emergency or you need it, but turn it off. Don't listen to the radio. Don't check social media. Just drive around, let the windows down and think and clear your head. 
Go change your surrounding, change your setting. The one thing I do know for sure is that it is impossible to change your circumstances without changing your environment. That has been so true in my life and my career. You have to change your environment to change your circumstances. So maybe think about that and try that. Declutter a little bit. Like I said, there's no, no, no wonder why we, we are having the mental health issues we're having in this country. We're overwhelmed. And we do it to ourselves. It is self-imposed overwhelm. And all we have to do is open our phone to start it. And unfortunately, most of us start every single day with that. We just pitch a new mountain out there that's it's impossible to climb, especially in the time frame we give ourselves of 24 hours. So I know I'm going to be taking some steps. I, I'm, I'm going to stop. Like I said, I've turned all notifications off, so I won't know if anybody's left a comment, if anybody's asked a question, if anybody's sent an email, if anybody's tried to call. I don't know, and I won't know until I specifically go in and I give them the space. I give them the permission to invade my environment. Maybe give it a try. See if it works for you. I want 2021 to be an amazing year, COVID or no COVID. And I want it to be great for you too. But it's hard to go into it mentally handicapped. That much I do know. We can't afford to make the 2020 mistakes in 2021. I approach every new year with new branding, new pictures, new everything, because I don't like carrying anything from the previous year into the new year. And maybe if you haven't thought about that, that's a good start for you. Change things up. Shake them up a little bit. Try something different. Go in a new direction. Go in an uncharted direction. If you're sitting exactly where you, this year, where you were this time last year, if you've not visibly and physically moved a lot further down the field, you need to change your playbook. And with only two and a half weeks left in 2020, now's the time to change the book. All right, I told you we were going to ask, uh, answer some questions from the Facebook group. We've got some really good ones. Uh, how about this one, Linda Mall? When trying to create a fan base, how can one draw the line on what you share about your personal life for the sake of content? Do you know of artists who have managed to do well in the industry without having to share too much of their lives? Was there a strategy, just talent, luck? Or perhaps this is simply now a thing of the past. Thanks for the question, Linda. Boy, that's a double-sided coin. Actually, it's a double-sided sword. Um, I've battled with this personally. If you will take a look at any of my social, I don't post things about my family. I use social media probably... 90% business, 10% personal. The way that we are today 
and, and I'll be quite honest with you, it's probably hurt me. If you look around, the people who do uh, post a lot of personal stuff, um, they they tend to to do a little bit better because, quite frankly, people are interested in your lives. As it relates to the music business, um, you'll see because it's it's so much more a young person's game now. It's hard to defend. Di- di- uh, I can't even fucking say the word differentiate between their personal and their professional because. They're all 20 years old, 21, 22, 23, 24, maybe 25. 25 is about the cutoff. But you can't really tell the difference between their personal and their professional life. It's the same thing. I take shit every time I say it, but I'm going to say it again. It, most of the female artists, I ran across, you know, half a dozen this weekend, if not more, where they're a singer, songwriter, artist, whatever, but four out of five pictures are them in their bathing suit. So what does that have to do with their career? We can look at that and recognize that on the outside, but what they're doing is they are creating engaging content. Now, are people engaging because they look hot in the bathing suit? Absolutely. But to the artist, it doesn't really matter. They're building engagement. So they'll post one thing about the new single they just put out and then five posts of them in a bathing suit. Like I said earlier, we live in a social media society. It's very hard not to post and share a large portion of your life. You can even see now where a lot of more established artists and older, if you will, I think we're starting to use established as a AKA for older, but there are a lot of older actresses, actors, singers, people in the entertainment business that are a little on the other side of social media age. They're starting to do stuff with their families because it's more engaged. There's not really that much going on with their careers. You can look at the highest level of that and even look at Will Smith. Look at Will Smith. Why in the world would you ever think that Will Smith would need a YouTube channel? But he has started his YouTube channel. It's been very, very, very successful. But that's his way of sharing his life. To answer your question, I don't know that it is possible. I think that you're going to have to share an overwhelming majority of your life because to get people to the point of purchase, to get people to engage, you have to share a lot of content. You have to be creating a lot of content and you have to be putting a lot of content out. Now, one of the mistakes and misunderstandings that people have whenever I say things like that is is it always needs to be some sort of promotional effort for your your efforts as an artist or your efforts as a songwriter or your business. That's not what I mean. What I mean is you, as the content creator, need to be creating as much content as humanly possible, whether it's sharing your personal life, whether it's sharing what you ate for lunch, or whether it's sharing whatever. That's what people want. They want to peek behind the curtain. If they're interested in you, They want to know everything about you. And if you don't keep them interested, if you don't feed that demand, they will go somewhere else where they get it. So to answer your question, there is no line to draw. The people that do draw that line are the ones that often are not really that successful. Or they reach, their their success has a limit and has a ceiling for sure because they're only willing to share so much. If you look around right now at the people that are very popular 
and are having a, a very high level of success, they keep nothing. There is no line. They post about everything. They share their whole lives. So I hope that answers your question. Dave Goldberg asked, how do you feel about busking? I think it's a great way to develop your chops and learn how to capture uh, and read a crowd. Ed Sheeran started as a street performer and he'd play where there weren't any stages. In other words, he simply played where he could to reach as many people as possible. I'm guessing that's old school now with all social media platforms. I feel it's more gratifying capturing a crowd live and going home with a case full of money. I have to be real freaking honest with you, Dave. I had to look up busking. I've never heard that term before. Uh, but I've found out that that busking uh, means to like like street performers are are considered buskers. It's the activity of playing music in the street or another public place for voluntary donations. So see, our Facebook group is there you are teaching me things. Here's how I will answer that question. Your phone, social media, is now the street. And, and I, 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 you've got to be performing constantly. It's, it's almost a good follow-up question to Linda's question because you're always on. Because we live in a social media society, that your phone, your computer, access to you and your life, that's the street. Your phone is the street. If you're not performing on there all the time, you're going to be irrelevant. As far as physical going out and performing on the street, I think it's just very difficult to engage and impact people that way. You know, almost you're an afterthought, almost. You're, you're counting on, it, it's, it's oddly strange, though, how so much so in comparison it is to social media, right? You post something out on social media, one to 3% of people engage with it. You can be out on the sidewalk in downtown Nashville and playing and singing your heart out, and you can be the most talented thing anybody's ever heard of. You know, three or five people will stop and watch and maybe put something, you know, 97% of everybody else is going to keep on going right on by. They're going to keep walking just like people keep scrolling on social media. So, look, I, I'm all for the, the grind. I'm all for people doing whatever in the world they have to do to get their business out there, get their music out there, get themselves out there, whatever that takes. If that takes going and setting up a piano or a keyboard or setting up a guitar and playing for people on the street, then by God, do it. That's better than doing nothing. But I think in the technology age that we live in today, you should be busking online. Your phone, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, Twitter, they're all streets. They're all just different streets. So you need to be set up and performing on them as much and as often as humanly possible. Thanks for the question, Dave. I hope that answers it. Charlie Hines asks, if you can't perform and your songs are better than your production or your voice, what are 10 must-dos for pitching songs without destroying the relationships you have already built over the years? Well, I don't have 10. But I can tell you this, when it comes to pitching songs, you're going to piss somebody off. It, it, you're going to piss a, a publisher off. You're going to piss a music supervisor off. You're going to piss somebody off. But you know what? So be it. The people that would respond positively are going to respond positively 
the people that are going to respond negatively were going to respond that way anyway, regardless of how good the songs are, which they don't even listen to anyway. I'm going to let that sink in. I know you guys don't like hearing that, but it's the truth. Maybe 0.0001% of the time when you pitch somebody something, do they actually listen to it? Let me give you a story. And I'll put names in the story. I'll love it when I do that. About seven or eight years ago, uh, Jason Aldean uh, was going into the studio to cut a new record. Um, the record label called my publisher and said, hey, will you send us some stuff over? And so when my publisher called me and said, hey, Steve, Aldine's cutting. We need to send some stuff over. And I said, well, you could send that or I'll just email it right directly to Michael Knox. That's how I've always pitched stuff to Jason Aldine. I don't go through the record label. I pitch it directly to his producer, Michael Knox. And the, and the publisher company's like, okay, cool. That's, that's better anyway. So I had uh, two, I think it were two or three songs that I just knew were, were perfect uh, for Jason. Um, I had written them with people that have had many Jason Aldine cuts. Um, matter of fact, Rich Curtin Tully, uh, Jason's road band and studio band played on the demos because these songs were written specifically for Jason Aldine. And so it had everything on it. I mean, it had everything but Jason's voice on it. You, you couldn't, it sounded exactly like an Aldine song. It just didn't have Jason Aldine's voice on it. It had his band on it. It was produced the same. See, they were targeted directly towards him. So I sent, I sent Michael Knox an email. And I said, hey, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Here are... Uh, well, actually, I think I, was, I sent them one at a time. So I attached one and I sent it off. Attached another one, sent it off, and the third one, sent it off again. And the next morning, I get an email back on all three. Sounds great, just not what we're looking for right now, period. And that's a quote, and that's all the email said. I was like, okay. It's odd because the pitch was so specific and the songs were so specific, written with me and other people who have multiple Jason Aldean cuts. I'm talking big, huge Jason Aldean hits. Produced exactly the way they would be done, played with his studio and his road band. It's nail on the head. And I thought, I don't think he listened to these. Because if he listened to them, great, sounds great, just not what we're looking for, that wouldn't be the response. Because I know what you're looking for. Your publishing company told us what you were looking for. Jason told us what he was looking for. We knew what he was looking for. So I thought, that's strange. Unless Jason Aldean's going in a completely different direction, and then this just wasn't right. But I thought the only way to know that for certain and for sure is to do something. So I did. About 10 minutes after I got the email, I fired off another email to Michael Knox. And I said, hey, uh, thanks for the response on the other three songs. Since that's not the direction uh, that you guys want to go in, I thought I would uh, give you something out of left field that's a little bit different. But I didn't attach the song purposefully. 
fired it off. About four or five hours later, I get a response from Michael Knox. Sounds great, just not what we're looking for. But I never attached the song. So I sent Michael an email back and I said, I'm tempted to ask you what you loved about the song since you thought the song was great. Um, and then what you didn't like about it, but I'm not going to do that and put you in that situation, Michael, because you just responded great song, just not what we're looking for to an email that didn't include a song as an attachment period. Thanks anyway. Now this has happened to many, 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 many pro songwriters in town. That is the generic email that Michael Knox sends back everybody. So when it comes to pitching your songs, don't worry about pissing anybody off. I did an, uh, I don't know if I, I don't remember if I did a podcast episode or if it was a, a YouTube video. May have been just a YouTube video. Uh, last year or the year before about getting aggressive. If you, if you want to do this and this is what you want to do and you've got a passion for it and, and you, you want to give yourself every opportunity to succeed, stop worrying about upsetting people. Stop worrying about, uh, you know, getting them mad or look, look, they're not probably going to do anything with your songs anyway. So they're not, they're not going to line up to help you. They're going to listen or they're not. There's no amount of less offensive or less aggressive you can be to get them even more so not to listen. They're going to listen or they're not. So I'm all in favor of where we are today in this business of being a little, a little more aggressive. Take it seriously. Show them you mean business. Look, these people are A&R reps, right? That's their job. Their job is to sit around and listen to music for artists all day long. It's to go out and see uh, uh, artists live to think about signing them. It's, it's their job to go check out songwriter rounds to see who the new songwriters are and listen to songs, see if they can find something for the artist on their label. It is their job. So, so I don't have any problem whatsoever being aggressive in getting them and providing them with music for which they can do their job. They're either going to listen or they're not. Was it 10 ways, but I think that covers it. Uh, Let's see. You live to write, but your fan base is used to one genre from you. What's next? If you've been doing it a while, then it's it's a little harder to do it because uh, I always use George Strait as an example here. George Strait has never not cut a George Strait record. Even the pure country stuff was George Strait. It would be a little tough now for George Strait to come out and do something different. But if you've not ever really reached that level of success, I'm going to piss some people off here and I'm going to say, I don't believe that anybody, if you haven't achieved that level of success, you don't have a big enough fan base to worry about pissing them off. So if your fan base isn't that big to begin with, then don't worry about it. Go do what it is that you want to do. Explore. Look, here's the thing. You can pull up anybody's phone. Look at their iTunes music library. They're going to have Def Leppard. They're going to have Baby. They're going to have Taylor Swift. They're going to have Selena Gomez. They're going to have Tim McGraw. 
They're going to have Metallica. They're going to have Chicago. They're going to have Phil Collins. Nobody just has one genre of music on their phone. So I think a lot of times that that is an industry thing. I think that's something that we think about. We think that if we do something different, we're going to alienate them. Meanwhile, the people that we're worried about alienating are listening to a thousand different songs, a thousand different artists, and a thousand different genres. So I'm all for expanding. Don't hesitate to do something different. To master or not master, that's the question. Boy, that's a good one. I, I can tell you personally, um, as it relates to releasing music now, the, the normalization and, and compression process that Apple Music and iTunes puts your music through anyway, it normalizes it. Um, I have submitted mastered songs and unmastered songs that were just good mixes. And they sounded the same when played back on Apple Music or iTunes. So let me say this, though. A, a great master can only be as good as the mix is. The production of a song is never fixed in the mastering process. You can't polish a dog turd and make it anything more than a dog turd. If you have a great mix, then you don't necessarily need to have it mastered to just release it. The reason that is, because a lot of the times, a, a mastered version of a song okay, is, is basically, that's going to be a 2448-bit file that's going to be anywhere from 35 to 65, 70 megabytes. Okay? That's full resolution. When you take 50 megabytes and you give it to Apple or Spotify and they squish it down to two and a half to three megabytes, you're taking all the integrity of the mastering process out of that recording. That's what I'll say about that. Now, I have done a few records in my time that I've worked with people like Richard Dodd, who is one of the best mastering engineers on the face of the planet. And the mix was phenomenal but the master just polished it and made it even better. But I'll also say that that is going back to days when we weren't as download, as stream heavy as we were CDs. And it made a lot more difference then. I honestly believe if you know how to use good tools like FabFilter, Isotope, things like that, and you have a great mix, you can master these things at home. Just look up the different specifications from the different platforms and they'll tell you exactly the parameters that they have to be in. And technology is at such a point right now where it puts that in your pocket with any DAW on the planet. Fab filters are phenomenal. If you're out there and you're wanting to learn how to master your own things, uh, take a look at Fab Filter, take a look at Isotope. Those things are amazing. 
that'll wrap it up for our little Q&A sessions. Thank you, Charlie. Uh, thank you, Dave. Thank you, Linda, for writing in your questions. If you would like to post questions and have me answer them here on the podcast, make sure you go over and you join the Steve Freeman Podcast Facebook group. Also, while you're doing that sort of thing, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars and leave a written review. Take 30 seconds, 60 seconds, whatever. Leave us a written review. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. We've got some great episodes coming up for you. I'm glad to be back on a regular schedule. New episodes every Monday and Friday. Some things are going to be changing. There were no ads on the podcast today. There will not be any ads on the podcast through December because we have new advertisers beginning January 1. And I want to say thank you to you guys for something uh, for just a second. Thank you for not giving me shit over having advertising on the podcast. It, It means a great deal to me. I hear from a lot of different people who they try to get their podcast to a point where they can monetize it and make money from it. And when they do, their listeners just really freak the fuck out. And well, why are you, why do we have to sit through advertising? Why? And, and I have had absolutely literally zero complaints. Now I'm probably going to get flooded with them. <laughs> but I, but even if I did, that's fine. But I want to thank you guys for doing that. I, I'm trying to get to the point where I, I am, Seriously, with with all sincerity, putting in a lot of time into, and even more so, the episodes that are going to be coming over the next few weeks and going into 2021. A lot is going into those, so it's taking me a lot of time. And I would I would love to be able to, you know, just make it available and not worry. But but when it takes the amount of time that it does, I have to to make money on the podcast. And the only way to do that is to open it up to advertisers. And we, we've got some new advertisers that are coming on board. I'm excited to have them. I really am trying to be careful when it comes to the advertising of only dealing with companies and brands that I believe in. Um, that's why you haven't heard ads for Manscaped or Coors Light or any of these other places, uh, Squarespace. Because I don't use Squarespace, I don't drink, um, and I've, I, I don't, I was about to say I don't manscape, but that's actually, that's not entirely true. I, I, <laughs> I just have no interest in pushing manscape products. So I'm trying to keep it to people that I use, people that I like, people that I want to help grow their businesses. Um, and we've got some new ones coming up in 2021. But again, thank you guys for not giving me shit over it. I, I appreciate it. We are going to be changing up the format a little bit, though, to where the ads are not going to be at the beginning of the podcast. They will be spread out throughout the podcast. Some of you may like that. Some of you may not. That's the way that it's going to be. Guys, thank you for being here. I love each and every one of you. I can't thank you enough for coming back and being here every Monday and every Friday. My goal for 2021, 1 million listeners a month. That's where we're going to go. And we're going to get there. So rate, review, subscribe, share the podcast. When I post it out on social media, share it to your pages. That's how we'll get to 1 million. 
we got some exciting things coming up in 2021, guys. Declutter yourself. Don't overwhelm yourself the first thing every morning by opening your phone and being inundated and, and just, just confronted with a thousand different things that there's no way you can accomplish. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I will see you on Friday. Until then, dream big, work harder. This is the Steve Freeman Podcast.